and I'm joined today by the lovely Lois. Lois, how are you? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good morning. Feeling good. The sun's out. How are you? Yeah, no, I think, as you said, the sun's out, daffodils are out, um, which is one of my favourite flowers. And yeah, spring, spring is in the air, which is always, you know, making things a little bit better. But also, what is very exciting, as well as spring, is our guest today. So I'd love to welcome Lena Majuha from Genesis Investments, and she's investment manager. Welcome, Lena. How are you? Hello, hello. Uh, I'm fine. It's snowing outside. It's really cold here in Ukraine, but the <laughs> forecasts say that it will get better uh, in a couple of days. Oh, okay. So you are still a little bit behind the, the UK, where we're calling in from. A little bit chilly. <laughs> Right. No daffodils oh. where you are just yet. <laughs> yes, that's true. Actually, do you have daffodils in the Ukraine? I think, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I haven't seen uh, them in a while, but, but I think that we do. Okay, cultivated daffodils. For me, it's always a sign of spring is coming and, and things are looking up. But actually, talking of looking up, I think in the UK, COVID restrictions are going to be lifted relatively soon we wanted to know how how is it going in ukraine uh well basically in ukraine we have this uh, kind of adaptive quarantine so basically uh, currently we have this harsh lockdown uh, where the, all the restaurants uh, and shops closed but a couple of weeks ago we had this adaptive kind of lockdown which meant that we needed simply to wear masks everywhere and that we w- would be fined if we don't do so uh, and also that all shops and restaurants and other similar organizations need to uh, have a lot of sanitizers. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's it's still kind of right in the mix across Europe. But um, on to slightly more jolly topic. I'd love to hear a little bit more about Genesis Investments. Uh, yeah, so uh, our fund was uh, founded two years ago, uh, a bit more than two years ago, at the end of 2018. And the fund was launched by uh, the CPO and co-founder of a large fitness and wellness startup, which is called Better Me. Uh, and the fund uh, over the last two years grew from only two or three people in the team to 15 people in the team. And we have already invested into 15 companies, uh, mostly in uh, online education, uh, mobile apps, uh, digital health, and uh, consumer artificial intelligence and machine learning spheres. Uh, so we, we usually invest at a seed and Series A stages. Uh, actually, in 2020, it was the first time that we made uh, a Series A deal, uh, which we led as a fund. And also, uh, we invest with checks ranging between $100,000 and up to $1 million at seed stages and up to $2 million at Series A stages. Nice. And could you tell me a little bit about your fund structure? Yeah, so uh, it's a bit complicated. So I I need to start from the very beginning. But uh, our fund, by its legal structure, is a corporate venture capital fund. But by its strategy, it's more like a classic venture capital fund. So uh, basically, uh, there is a large, I would say, venture builder, which is called Genesis Technologies, uh, which builds startups from within. And actually, Better Me is one of them and maybe one of the largest. Uh, currently, the holding uh, is profitable, and for this reason, its management decided to launch this venture capital fund. 
And uh, the CPO of Better Me became the general partner because it was his idea. And we currently spend uh, only the money produced as profits uh, by Genesis Technologies. And we are not planning to raise the fund in the upcoming like two years, I think, because we have enough resources to invest uh, on our own. And this company is our uh, only LP right now. But in terms of the strategy, we act more like a classic venture capital fund. And we are planning to monetize our uh, investment effort uh, through uh, exits uh, and uh, cash outs. And we, uh, when we invest, we target uh, only 10% of the company and not like the other corporate venture capital funds do uh, when they acquire like half of the company. So we are not interested in that. Really interesting. I, I'd love to dig into your role in particular, but just before we do that, do you think we could take a step back and just quickly talk about how you got to this role and what you were doing before? Yeah, sure. Uh, so basically, my venture capital career started three years ago, approximately, uh, and it started in the other fund, which is called TA Ventures. TA Ventures is a, actually one of the uh, top 10 most active venture capital funds investing in German startups. It's located in Kiev, but it's uh, very active in Europe. And it was, you know, an accident because uh, I, I was invited by my friends uh, to the lecture, which was made by the managing partner of TA Ventures, Victoria. And uh, she and their uh, partner and associate, they were telling how they invest, what they do, how they uh, monetize their like investment efforts, in which startups they uh, usually invest and so on. And then I uh, emailed him and uh, sent my CV and uh, asked if there is a chance for me to be uh, employed by TA Ventures. And basically, uh, within two months, I had uh, a lot of conversations with them, a lot of interviews, a test task, uh, and I was uh, invited to TA Ventures. And then I spent, I think, only nine months in TA Ventures. I was a junior investment analyst, then I was promoted to full-time investment analyst. And uh, then uh, I had this kind of short sabbatical because I wanted to apply to American colleges and I needed to uh, pass TOEFL and GMAT and I needed some time for preparation. And then I passed the tests and I started thinking what uh, should I do next because I had like 10 or 9 months left uh, to be in Ukraine. Uh, until I, I leave for some college. And then I accidentally saw uh, this post made by my current general partner who posted that they launched Venture Capital Fund. And this post was shared by somebody. And I uh, knew a friend uh, who actually knew him. And I asked her to pass my resume to him and see if he needs any help. And this, was on, this was on Facebook, right? Yes. Of all places. <laughs> so it's not like LinkedIn, Twitter. I've never heard of anyone finding a job from Facebook, but you know, oh. uh, it, it's remarkable. <laughs> Actually, it was a funny story because uh, I applied to Genesis Investments. I had these conversations with uh, the general partner and he asked me if I'm willing to join the fund. And I said no, and I didn't have any answer from him like for three weeks or two. <laughs> and then, uh, and it was, you know, the New Year holidays and all this stuff. So I think that he was just kind of busy or he was on vacation. And then uh, after two or three weeks uh, or so, uh, he writes me something like, well, maybe you can change your mind. And I'm like, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so you played hard to get and it obviously paid off. <laughs> Actually, I was, you know, I, it wasn't intentional. I just wanted to, you know, to say goodbye in a proper way to TA Ventures because I was on the sabbatical and uh, I was kind of like poached by somebody and I didn't want to offend anyone. And uh, for this reason, I was trying to, you know, have these conversations uh, very slowly with TA Ventures. And mm-hmm. for this reason, I said that um, I, I'm not sure and that's it. But yeah, it, it kind of played like I was hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the sort of thing VCs like, though. Right. They, they like to win a deal and, and feel like they've fought for it. So I'm sure that applies to the talent they recruit internally as well. So how long have you been at Genesis Investments for? Uh, a bit more than two years. Fantastic. And so you've really seen the team grow in that time, right? So, so I, I, it'd be great to hear a bit more about how that team has developed and how you've played a part in, in building that up. Yeah, so basically I was the first employee except for the general partner and uh, we had a legal team which is kind of like separate from us but it's still the part of the team but they are not located with us in the same building and uh, then we had one venture partner join us uh, I think it was in the spring of 2020 and before that uh, we had another like investment manager too or at that time he was an analyst join our team Uh, and he is actually a friend of mine who uh, worked in uh, a big four company and he was looking for a job because he he was really tired uh, after four or five years uh, at you know uh, audit and uh, corporate finance and he needed a fresh start uh, in in finance with something more close to business so I passed his uh, resume to our general partner and he joined our team and then we had actually two venture partners join our fund. So one of them was an uh, ex-500 startups, Chris Brown. And uh, another one uh, was a managing partner of uh, another fund, pre-seed and seed stage, which is called Fund Cubator. And this is a venture capital fund which uh, invested in so-called fun tech, so like dating, gaming, uh, all this stuff, you know, social entertainment and other industries that are fun related. And then in summer 2020, we invited this growth manager to our team to help our portfolio companies solve their uh, I would say pipeline pro- problems. So it's it can be marketing pipeline, it can be sales pipeline, uh, it can be you know uh, more related to digital marketing activities or even a pipeline with recruiting. Uh, so basically, he is uh, an ex McKinsey expert in in how to grow businesses. And then we had plenty of people join our fund in in fall 2020. So we had this. Uh, brand management team our PR team grew we had uh, this as director of software development so this is a guy who helps our portfolio companies to solve their problems related to software development to technical scaling uh, to cybersecurity and uh, other like data related uh, and software related uh, issues so I think that's it and uh, yeah I, I actually saw everybody join the fund and you know when you are the first employee somewhere I don't know if it holds for everybody 
but you start to feel kind of jealous when you see all these people join <laughs> and you're like oh my god I was the first one <laughs> people. oh gosh that's so funny and, and like how has your role evolved because with these new people coming in presumably they take on some of your responsibilities and maybe you focus on other things so that that would be great to learn more about uh yeah so currently i i'm mostly not involved uh, into helping our portfolio companies except for fundraising things uh business development and pr and currently i'm i'm mostly responsible for uh, deal sourcing and for uh, this you know network building around our fund first of all to find uh, the best startups on the market uh, in which we can invest and uh, secondly to find the investors for our portfolio companies Uh, who will invest on later stages. But in the very beginning, uh, it was like I was the jack of all trades because I needed to do like everything. So it, it kind of got better, actually, because I'm mostly responsible for deal sourcing and this is what I really like. And I was not really proficient and confident in my advisory skills and my, uh, you know, growth analytics skills and Maybe I can do a market research for uh, initial due diligence, but I wasn't that sure that I can do uh, a proper uh, market due diligence for, say, brand strategy. That is absolutely fascinating. And what would you say from sort of from back when you started only three years ago to now? What would you say you've kind of really started to specialize in? Mm, I would say that. Uh, well, I really like the startups which uh, operate in uh, education technologies, in uh, B2B SaaS and in mobile apps. And I would say that these are the industries in which I can kind of like look at the team and understand if they uh, lack any skills or if they have everything they need to be successful. And mm-hmm. accumulated this uh, knowledge about the industry, about the trends in these industries And I would say that maybe these industries uh, are something in which I specialize in currently. And, and is, is it a reason just because that's your personal passion or is it because within Eastern Europe, you know, there are a lot of startups in that space and as a consequence, you've caught on to that trend and, and learned about that ecosystem a bit more? Or, yeah, or is it a bit of a combination? Uh, I would say that uh, in Education technologies, it's more like an overall trend on a global level. Plus, I, I have always been a person who liked to learn by myself and to do a lot of self-learning. So I think that if we talk about education technologies, it's more out of my own passion. But if we talk about mobile apps, uh, I think that this is uh, mostly the specific feature of our region, uh, of Eastern Europe, because people here are very skilled in technologies but they uh, they mostly weren't skilled before in sales and like business development thing so b2b startups were kind of too heavy for them for most of them but uh, mobile apps are mostly b2c so you can develop technology you can you know buy some traffic and uh, you can monetize them without actually talking to somebody, selling to somebody in person. And I think that if we talk about mobile apps, it's mostly because I'm located in this region and I see a lot of tech talent in in this field, uh, which is really proficient in B2C technologies and in mobile apps, but not in, in sales. Do you think that that trend is changing at all? 
Uh, I think, yeah. I think that it's, you know, more like an organic change because um, there are some companies, B2B companies from our region, uh, which actually succeeded. And people who work there, they saw how it should be done, how this, you know, sales team should be motivated, which talent they need to, to you know, to succeed on a global level, to, to sell something on a global level. And uh, I think that the change is happening right now. Plus, uh, a lot of B2B SaaS-focused accelerators, uh, mostly B2B SaaS-focused accelerators, like Startup Wise Guys, they are really focused on Ukrainian and Belarusian startups. And uh, they are trying to teach them to sell. Uh, and for this reason, uh, this expertise starts uh, accumulating here. But I think that we need like five to 10 years to become much better uh, in this stuff. Because still there are not many companies in B2B SaaS field uh, here, which uh, we would like to invest in. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I saw a similar theory on Twitter recently about how in the US there are lots of like alumni networks from, you know, obviously big tech companies that have been very successful and those networks tend to be responsible for a lot of subsequent innovation and venture capital raising and that in Europe we kind of fall behind that in some way but I guess that is as you say starting to change now and I think especially with VCs being cognizant of that change we'll see a lot more similar dynamics come across here too. Yeah I I totally agree Uh, actually it's a very common topic in VC um, to talk about, you know, this kind of mafias, uh, like Estonian mafia, like PayPal mafia. Uh, and I think that in Ukraine, this mafia is starting to emerge from different businesses. Uh, and, uh, well, well, it's kind of funny for me to, to say mafia and Ukraine in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel right doing so, but, but it's, it's nothing negative. I mean, like mafia in a good meaning. Yeah, uh, we should probably say that you're, um, you're doing air quotes when you say mafia. Yeah, We're not talking the good real mafias. mafias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, technology mafia. And uh, these are the people who come from, from some successful startups who were the first employees in those startups. They had some kind of options, shares. They sold th- those shares. They had some money. They saw how business is done. So they decided to launch their own venture. Some of these ventures uh, became successful. So their early employees, again, founded something which which became successful, and that's it. And this process is starting to emerge here. Really cool. But, but actually, when we first had a conversation, I think one of the reasons why Genesis Investments started up was that often Eastern European founders found it difficult to raise capital from funds in the UK or, or Germany. And so uh, having a Ukraine-based VC was definitely seen as a a big advantage to connect with what is a very uh, rich and growing ecosystem. And I imagine that now, actually, even from when we last spoke, which was not too long ago, there's more and more interest in this uh, ecosystem. And I was wondering, how do you communicate within the VC ecosystem and build that network, as you described, as as one of your your core focus areas within the fund? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so basically, when I talk to uh, foreign VCs, especially when we uh, talk about like uh, American VCs, uh, so uh, or European, uh, I have this list of VC funds to which I frequently send relevant updates on our portfolio companies. 
And when I just start to talk to them for the first time, I usually, you know, tell in which industries we invest, with what we can help. For example, if uh, our ecosystem is booming and having all my network here in Ukraine, I can help you to do some kind of background checks to some minor due diligence on the local startups if you're interested in any deals here. And most of them are interested in our portfolio companies, which is like logical. Uh, and uh, I'm usually adding them to my list uh, of uh, top priority VC funds and I'm just sending quarterly updates to them. Sometimes it's it's not quarterly, but, uh, you know, from time to time. Uh, but I think that beginning of this April, I, I will start to do these quarterly updates because I see a lot of demand for that. Because in January 2021, I sent a couple of, the, of updates on our portfolio companies, along with uh, information when they are planning to raise money. And I received requests uh, for intros from one of the like very good top venture capital funds from Europe, Another one, which is a pretty cool venture capital fund, which invested very early stage in, in Lambda School from the US. So I received some interest to our uh, portfolio companies and requests for an intro from them. And so I saw this, you know, demand and thought that maybe it will be more plausible if I make this uh, more like a regular action than, uh, than, you know, from time to time. Great. I think it really sounds like the Eastern European ecosystem is really growing and developing and Genesis Investments is playing a really important part in making this ecosystem more accessible by obviously not only investing in startups within Eastern Europe, but also connecting overseas investors to the right founders at the right time. And speaking of founders, I was wondering well, actually, just in general, what advice would you give to individuals wanting to expand their network within various ecosystems? And what are the sort of pitfalls that they often fall into in or, and as a result don't quite get the outcome they want? Uh, basically, I see a lot of mistakes which happen with people when they want to network with somebody. So they can be looking for uh, for a job, they can be looking for a VC fund to get funding for their startup. But uh, the biggest mistake, and I'm really surprised that I need to say this uh, in 2021, but it's still that people are not used to like listening uh, and they just try to talk a lot. But the best networkers, they usually uh, listen a lot and they observe a lot and they like analyze what that person uh, in whom they are interested needs or wants and usually try to provide what that person needs or wants. I can like give you a little example, which is not from a networking experience, but mostly from a, my employment experience. Uh, and uh, at the end of 2019, I, I had a pretty bad burnout because I, I was super tired. I was, uh, for nine months, I, I was the only employee in the fund. Uh, they The processes weren't like aligned with with, uh, with other processes inside the fund. So it, it was really hard to, to do anything and you needed to figure it out while doing something. Uh, and uh, I didn't see, you know, tangible results of my actions uh, all the time. And our general partner, he noticed it. And uh, instead of 
advising me something instead of you know telling me something he just came to me and asked me what do you need <laughs> so t- tell me what do you need to make you work better right now because for the last month you haven't been productive at all and I thought for a minute and I was like wow okay I, I need this I need some rest I need to see uh, some you know kind of tangible results of my actions and I need uh, that we build better processes inside our fund so that it was more clear what's the next step in in most of the situations. Because, you know, venture capital is already a pretty messy thing and it's a chaotic business in which you need to figure out everything, non-trivial problems, and you need to solve them immediately. And when, in addition to this, you have... Uh, processes which don't work well, uh, it's really overwhelming. And we kind of solved those problems in within two months after our conversation. And uh, I, I noticed a really huge result on my uh, productivity and uh, I, I didn't have uh, any kind of burnout uh, at all. And what was good in this is that he wasn't trying to convince me that I need to do something uh, that helps him. But he actually just asked me what what's happening and what do I need. And I advise to do the same when you are networking with somebody. It's just, uh, you know, ask questions, listen a lot, try to understand what that, that person needs and uh, don't try to give her or him more. Just, just give what they want because they already provided you the answer so just use it that's really good advice and sort of like you say it almost feels like common sense but possibly in an age where networking is so structured maybe sometimes it bears being reminded of just general human (laughs) sort of interactions um amazing cool yeah i i love that and i like how that advice not only applies to founders but also for for anyone but bringing founders back into the limelight now i was wondering how you evaluate startups like what are the sort of things are you looking for when you speak to founders well okay when when i first meet a startup of course you need to see their deck or at least a summary of their company Uh, to understand what is the current stage of the company, if it's really relevant for our portfolio, and what is the product, and if there is a chance to to test the product. And then I'm trying to have this uh, personal conversation, mostly the video call, to uh, to see if we can work together, if there is any kind of chemistry uh, between me and the founders. Uh, and if we understand each other, if we speak the same language, uh, if they tell me something that they don't know, share some cool insights they receive from the industry, if they're deep in their field, in, in, in what they are doing. Because sometimes you, you meet a startup and their founders, they are like very superficial. They just kind of read a couple of reports and they are trying to pitch you an idea that the market is growing and I I don't buy it usually because I can do it myself I can gain the same the same insights by myself by reading the same reports on the internet but when you see the founders who really understand what they are doing they usually can provide such insights that you have never met online and this is kind of cool and I'm trying to you know to discover these hidden treasures that they uh, might have uh, gained from the industry in which they work. And usually I'm trying to understand if they have a relevant skill set 
for the company that they are building. Uh, and you know, it's it's not that the only one founder needs needs to have all these skills, but it's more about the how the team is balanced and if they have all necessary expertise or they understand what they need and they know how to acquire it. And this is a very important thing for me to understand during the first call. And also the third point that I'm trying to understand is uh, if they have this strategy of what they will do next and what they what they need to do so. Uh, it's not about like, you know, financial models uh, or a vision for 20 years ahead, but it's more like we want to get to such results by the end of this year, to these results by the end of the next year, and we will need uh, the following, the following, and the following resources to do so. And maybe we hope that we will succeed if we try harder. And this is usually a good thing because, uh, you know, very big uh, helicopter view vision for a long term, it can be good, but it's good when you are not on the pre-seed or seed stage. It's better when you are a large company already, because then you really need to think really ahead, like ahead of the time, maybe sometimes to, to be successful. But uh, at, uh, at seed stage, you usually need to understand what you will do tomorrow because everything changes every day. Very good. And um, what about you? What are you thinking that you might do tomorrow? I'm like, I'm interested in your journey. So you've clearly done absolutely tons in a really short space of time, which... I mean, he's super lucky, right, to join his first employee and have all of that experience. It must be amazing. And I'm sure that you've, you know, gotten used to that kind of really steep learning curve. So what are you thinking might be either next for you or in the future? What what, what are your kind of aspirations? Well, it's pretty easy. So I'm, I am I want to, it's easy to describe, not, not to do, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm 23 right now. So I, I, I want to raise my own fund when I'm 30 or 31, something like that. And uh, to do so, I need some traction and I need uh, money <laughs> and to, you know, because you need to invest uh, your own money too to have some skin in the game. And uh, basically uh, regarding traction, so I, I need to have my own leads in the current fund and I need them to be growing or I need to have some exits. And I have this target for myself that I need to lead around 20 companies to our fund because 10 is too few and um, more than 20, I think it will be kind of hard, but, but I will try to do so. But 20 is a kind of a good target number. And currently I have six and I hope that in a couple of months it will become eight. And uh, so I need to uh, have 20 companies in our portfolio which were brought by me and these need to be good companies. And uh, secondly, I'm thinking about improving my skills in PR because uh, PR is pretty important for uh, venture capital funds if we look at uh, A16Z or Y Combinator. So I'm planning to work on uh, some good articles in different media, which are top tier media or tier one media. And I currently have uh, some publications in, on TechCrunch, Sifted, like VentureBeat and what else? And Forbes. And I need to expand uh, this traction and I need to gain more uh, good leads to our portfolio and make our management invest in those companies. <laughs> and uh, this is what I'm doing right now. And I think that I will be doing this for the next two, three years for sure. Amazing. 
well, we definitely wish you the very best of luck with that. But it sounds like you've got a really clear roadmap and you know what you're doing. I'm going to do an impromptu question time because you said that you want to start your own fund. And one of our favorite quick fire questions is obvious. It's obvious to ask you, what do you think you might call the fund? Oh, yeah, I have the answer for that. <laughs> it's a weird word, but I would call it zeitgeist. This is the, the spirit of the time or the spirit of the era. And it means that I will try to invest in the people and technologies and companies that will define the times in which they exist and in which they do something. Makes total sense and genuinely was a quick fire question. That was a rapid answer. <laughs> <laughs> Because I already thought about that. I, I was like <laughs> dreaming and uh, and thinking about how will I do uh, when I finally raise it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Fantastic. And I guess to, to bring it back to our listeners and the kind of people who might be looking to start the journey that, that you're already sort of halfway through, you know, do you have any, any tips for folks who are looking for roles at the moment in, in VC? Yeah, so... Uh, I usually say that it's it's better to say oops than sorry. And so I, I would suggest to, to talk to as many venture capital funds as you can within your fields of interest. And you can try to write them cold emails or cold messages because it's usually okay. And especially at the current times when you cannot meet with somebody in person, uh, mostly. And people are really open for online networking and it's pretty easy to find them on LinkedIn or Twitter and contact them directly. And the worst thing that actually can happen to you is that they say that they are not interested and they will forget about you like in a couple of days. So it's not really risky to do so. The second point is that try to work with people whom you really like. Uh, I, I know that it may sound, you know, kind of, risky or I don't know superficial but when I started my career I I worked in a couple of companies Uh, I had some internships there and I didn't really like my colleagues I, I left really quickly and my parents were like super crazy about that they were mad at me because they said that I lost the opportunity of my lifetime and I said it will be okay I will make sure that it's all right And then when I joined Citibank or I joined TA Ventures or I am currently at Generous Investments, I only work with people whom I really admire and like, and I can learn a lot from them. And I I would suggest that you only work with such people because uh, it it gives you less burnouts and more pleasure every day. Absolutely. Uh, That's so true. Yeah, it's, 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 it, this is a really good, uh, you know, good advice. And I wish that somebody told it to me when I was a, a kid, because it, it would save me a, a lot of time and a lot of uh, nerves. But I've learned. <laughs> so I, I hope I will help somebody with this. And actually, I wanted to ask you a question, because I feel like you would be able to give good advice on this. So you just mentioned there that the worst thing that can happen is that they say we're not interested. But obviously, in your mind, whether that's a founder or someone looking to get into VC, that's upsetting. So what advice would you give to anyone that is experiencing rejections? Like, what, what should they do? Uh, well, uh, the basic answer will be uh, to say that ask for feedback. But uh, sometimes you need to, you know, to try to figure out this feedback by yourself, especially when you 
see that these rejections they happen all the time, not only once in a you know in a month. Uh, and if everybody says you know, it, it, it not only in venture capital but anywhere, you should try to analyze why is it so, and maybe try to ask a couple of people for some kind of a feedback or the reasons why they said no. Uh, and it, it may be hard, especially if you are trying to be this kind of perfectionist and succeed in everything that you do. But uh, eventually it may be really helpful and you can solve these problems if you know them and then come again and, uh, and try to, uh, to give it a next try and to, uh, maybe you will be successful in the future. So it really depends on the number of rejections. If you only received one rejection, it may be absolutely subjective and it, it may have nothing to do with, with you even because maybe just, you know, a, a VC fund, they didn't see anything interesting uh, for them in your pitch deck and they just decided, oh, okay, we, we have a lot of work to do now, so we, we won't pay a lot of attention here. But you can try sending them updates in such a case. But if you are always experiencing rejection, it's better for you to sit down and understand what you are doing wrong because the problem is probably more, uh, you know, systemic than subjective. I love that piece of advice. So thank you so much. And actually, um, are you guys open to recruiting someone at the moment? Uh, yeah, we are currently recruiting. Uh, I'm not recruiting to my team, but my colleague is recruiting for his team. And uh, he is looking for a person who is, uh, you know, more a number person with uh, a solid uh, corporate finance audit or other financial or investment banking background. And he's looking for a person who is really proficient with Excel. Uh, because his team uh, is dealing with our portfolio companies, uh, helping them to organize data rooms for startups from our portfolios, uh, which uh, raise uh, or will be raising money in the future. And also they do this investors relations thing. So they're accumulating all the financial statements and help uh, startups organize them, uh, eliminate all the mess that uh, can happen uh, to their financial statements uh, because startups are usually not really proficient with that. Uh, so I'm not sure when he's planning to close this uh, vacancy, but he's actively hiring right now. And you know, given that, as you said, the, the environment uh, in Ukraine at the moment, um, is it a role that's for a candidate in Ukraine or have you kind of opened the, the doors to other candidates from, from overseas, which I've seen a lot of funds do as a consequence of COVID? Uh, I have one remote employee in my team who is a junior analyst and she's based in Estonia. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure about my colleague. So, so basically, for sure, he needs a person from a similar time zone uh, or, you know, time zone which doesn't differ a lot. Understood. Great. Well, whoever that person may be, I think they're very lucky to join Genesis Investments um, and uh, we'll be sure to hopefully release this in time so that the application is still open. But I think you've explained really well about how to deal with with rejections, but do you have any top tips for, for that application in particular? You've described the core skills that are required in order to, to get a look in, but is there something more like characteristic traits that you, that you generally tend to look for when recruiting internally 
for the firm? So people who can handle all the projects by themselves and who have this, uh, who don't need their managers to provide a constant flow of tasks, but can find those tasks and problems themselves and try to solve them themselves. So I think that uh, each member of our team is super independent. Uh, maybe within the first three months, we usually struggle to find those tasks and find those problems which we can really solve. But eventually, everybody figures it out and uh, tries to have those conversations with our portfolio companies to understand what they really need and started working on those things. And they don't need, you know, constant pinging and asking for the status of each task because they already know what they can do and within which time frame and what are the deadlines usually. And because they usually send those deadlines themselves. And if it's something super urgent for our like general partner, he usually gives us this task and we should like accomplish it uh, when he says. But uh, at the same time, uh, we all have our own to-do lists and we understand what we need to do every day. And uh, if, say, uh, if our general partner leaves for a vacation for two weeks, uh, which doesn't really happen very often, but still, if he leaves... Uh, nothing changes because all the processes are handled by separate people who uh, can act independently, mostly. Well, Lena, I was going to ask you, um, sort of to close out the conversation, whether there are certain people, maybe founders, um, who you're particularly keen to hear from. And what are you looking for? Let me take your advice. <laughs> what, what can our listeners do for you um, and where can they find you? It's better to find me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm usually pretty active in, in social media, so I, I will usually uh, answer. But it's if you want me to answer, it's better to write me on Twitter because I usually miss notifications from LinkedIn uh, because I, I don't know why, but they don't work that well uh, on my smartphone. And mostly I can be contacted if you have any questions regarding startup PR or uh, regarding uh, pitching to VC funds, especially when you're at seed stage. And uh, if you need any kind of career advice uh, because you want to break in VC, so you, you can contact me and uh, don't be afraid and don't write uh, large uh, emails because I won't get to the end of them. You can just say, hi, Lena, I heard, uh, I heard your podcast. Uh, I have this question and this question. It will be enough. Okay, amazing. That's really kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Amazing. So thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Really enjoyed the conversation. It's so cool to hear about your journey and um yeah hopefully some of our listeners will take you up on the really kind offer to get in touch um and get some advice so really appreciate it thank you for joining us thank you for the invitation and it was a pleasure to talk to you and i want to wish everybody success if they want to break into vc or they want to become entrepreneurs or you just want to work in tech i wish you success and everything will work out for you amazing what a gorgeous sentiment to end on and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Associated. Remember that you can get updates on our next guests and latest updates over on Twitter. We're at associated underscore pod. And if you have ideas for people that we should have on the podcast or you have any feedback for us, you can always drop us an email on associatedpodcast at gmail.com. 
So until next week, please do subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening to this. It really helps us. And we look forward to being with you next time. Bye.